This summer, your radio activist, that's me, celebrates my 25th year of full-time ministry in the pro-life movement. And it's been a rewarding and challenging time, that's for sure. Today on the program, I'm going to share some war stories from the front lines of the culture war. Activist Radio, The Mark Harrington Show, is brought to you by Created Equal, and you can support our work and the radio program of your radio activist, that's me, by going to createdequal.org and click on the donate link. Well, today we're going to do things a little bit differently. Normally, when you tune in to Activist Radio, The Mark Harrington Show, what you hear typically is when I'm interviewing someone else. Well, today we're going to take the opportunity of your radio activist being interviewed because it's my 25th year of ministry. And I felt this would be an appropriate time for me to tell you my story, because I think a lot of times we don't get time for that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, I think it might be of interest to some of you. So that's what we're going to do on the program. And in order to do that, I'm going to have my producer, Spencer Delaney. He's going to be the one interviewing me today. I'm not interviewing anybody else. He's interviewing me. So Spencer, thanks for for taking on this role today and being the host of the Mark Harrington Show. Absolutely. Absolutely. You want me just to jump right into the questions? Uh, Yeah, just jump right in. All right. Well, congratulations, Mark, on 25 years uh, in this ministry and pro-life activism. It's it's, it's a wonderful thing that you're doing, and I I respect you a lot for it. Just want to start off with that. I appreciate that. And, you know, I was as I was thinking about this, you know, it doesn't matter if people recognize it, but it was nice that my team did the other day. Uh, this this work that I do doesn't get a whole lot of recognition. I don't do it for that reason, of course. I mean, but and that's not why we serve the Lord. But it is nice to uh, reflect uh, the 25 years. It's been a blessing. Absolutely. So, Mark, what um you know, what made you get into this whole pro-life activism thing? Like, What made you care about the pre-born? Yeah, well, it goes back to my conversion. If you know my testimony, I didn't become a Christian until I was in my late 20s. I lived a life on the dark side. In fact, I was an evangelist for the dark side, doing all kinds of terrible things. And Jesus reached down and saved me radically. And then I met my wife, Paula. We married, and uh, she actually, 30 years ago this summer, she showed me an aborted baby photo for the first time, and that was the thing that was etched in my mind forever. So that got me started. Uh, you know, I had to—I got saved first, and then soon after that, got married and my wife, because she was actually volunteering at a pregnancy resource center, uh, answering the hotline. And in those days, we didn't have toll-free 1-800 numbers that you could call if you were considering abortion, they actually rotated the phone uh, to different homes during the day and night. And so my wife was answering those at night and counseling girls uh, to not kill their children. And that's what originally got me interested in the abortion debate. And then she showed me an aborted baby. And that's kind of that that moment is etched in time. It's kind of suspended in time and in my mind as the moment at which the Holy Spirit kind of came on me and said, hey, that something's got to be done about this. 
Wow. So a, a divine intervention and a calling. That's no doubt awesome. about it. So what provoked you to do it full time? I mean, obviously, I assume. Well, a lot of things happened between me doing it full time. And uh, when I first saw the aborted baby photo, wow. uh, the first thing that happened is after I saw that photo, I read the book Operation Rescue written by Randall Terry, who was the director of Operation Rescue, which is the largest civil disobedience movement in American history. 70,000 Christians went to the doors of abortion mills and blocked those doors in an act of biblical obedience. And I read that book and I immediately thought, this is where I wanna be, I wanna be on the front line. And so Randall Terry came to my town to speak and I attended that speech, that talk. And uh, interesting enough, he picked me out of a crowd of about 500 people to, to pray at the end of the meeting. I got up and prayed and then as I was leaving, he made it, his, his, uh, he made it a point to come over to me and tell me that God's hand was on me to do something about this full time. At the time, of course, I had no idea what the Lord had for me. It kind of startled me a little bit, but it got me thinking that this is something I want to do full time. And over the next, say, five years, I started doing a lot of uh, volunteer work and then kept praying for the opportunity to open up for me to go into this full time. And the company that I was working for offered me severance and I knew that was the door I needed to walk through and I started raising support as a pro-life missionary in, in, in 1997, which is 25 years ago this summer. Wow. So in, in that whole time, you were having a balance, you know, raising a family too, right? I had three children. My youngest was about three months old. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it obviously it was a big step, but I trusted the Lord. I believed that he was calling me to the work. I knew that the need was the call, but I knew that he would provide. I commonly had uh, the, the type, I had scriptures in my Bible that talk about how uh, the workman is worthy of his wages and, you know, passages about Paul and his work and how God does provide. If he, if he calls you to the work, he provides. He doesn't leave you out there hanging. And I trusted him and began to raise support. 25 years ago. And then I met Greg Cunningham in 1999 with the Center for Bioethical Reform. And many of our viewers and listeners will know them because they take a huge display around college campuses called the Genocide Awareness Project. In fact, they were the, uh, I guess you could call the entrepreneurs in using abortion victim photography on college campuses. And when they came to Ohio State University and, and displayed that uh, and that's, then I was hooked. I, I knew this was the best way to go ahead with things. And I eventually joined up with Greg Cunningham and the Center for Bioethical Reform, created CBR Midwest, Center for Bioethical Reform Midwest. And I was with them for 10 years, traveling across the country, uh, displaying abortion victim photography on college campuses. Wow. Okay, so I do have one question though. You know, going to college campuses and that abortion victim photography, obviously that brings out of a lot of emotion out of a lot of people uh, who mm -hmm. are uh, the other way, who want their quote unquote freedom to do what they want. Um, and when that, out of that emotion can arise some very tense situations. So thinking back, what's one of the most like intense situations you've been in? Have you ever been uh, a, you know, attacked or thrown in jail or anything like that? Oh, there's been a lot of those. I mean, the victim photography provokes a lot of emotion because it 
it better than anything else gets to the heart of what abortion is and does when you see a photo of a baby that's been bis- dismembered. Right. So you can imagine people get upset about that. Uh, yeah, I've had a lot of battles over the years. I guess the one that probably stands out is in 2017 when we went to the Women's March after the first, uh, well, the inauguration of Donald Trump. And that was the first women's march where there are about a million uh, pro-abortion advocates on the mall in Washington, D.C. And then there was about 20 of us. And that was it. And we were surrounded by them for several hours. I honestly did not know if we would get out of there unharmed. I was really concerned for our team. But, you know, God was good enough to give us that opportunity. And we survived that day. But I can tell you it was a very tense time. We have video of that on our YouTube page. Honestly, it was it was something that, you know, we did. We had no idea what we were getting into because nobody knew how many people would show up that day. But they were very angry at the uh, at President Trump uh, now becoming president and all that might mean to them. Of course, we all know there were there were reason for them to be dis- worried about that, because now we have the overturning of Roe versus Wade almost entirely due to the fact that President Trump nominated and had confirmed three justices, the U.S. Supreme Court. So I think that was probably it. Uh, I've had other places in which I've been jailed. Uh, I can recall one where I went to New Mexico to fight a a ban on, uh, to to support, sorry, a ban on abortion at 20 weeks in the city of Albuquerque. And I was at a voting center and and voting centers usually have these 500 foot uh, buffer zones. But this one was in a strip mall. And in a strip mall, those buffer zones shouldn't apply because there's all these other storefronts and different, uh, you know, stores and things around the, the, the voting center. And so I was outside the 500 foot uh, line, but the police told me that I couldn't be on the property of the voting center. And one thing led to the other, and I ended up in jail for a night. Uh, I've been uh, I've rescued. That means I've blocked the doors to clinics. I've never been arrested for that, actually. But I've gotten up before the third warning. Uh, I've gone to the edge on that. I've never been put in jail for rescuing, but I have rescued. In other cases, I've been sued. You know, all the typical stuff. If you're going to press the the limits and try to provoke people to confront the issue of abortion, you're going to run into problems like this. And it's kind of like goes with the territory. So, you know, not that I'd ever seek to be arrested, but sometimes uh, that happens. Right. Now, uh, you mentioned uh, the overturning of Roe and and Trump bringing that. But before we get to that, I wanted to ask you, um, you take me back to starting Created Equal. When did you when did you start Created Equal? What prompted that? What events led up to that point? Right. So in the later years of the Center for Bioethical Reform, I just didn't believe that we were raising up the next generation, the younger activists, Mm -hmm. to carry on the fight. Because as I was getting older and others around me, I was beginning to wonder if we were going to have enough um, replacements, you know, (laughs) to carry on the battle. And so that's when I began to think about what could we be doing better And that's why we launched Created Equal, which is totally focused on raising up young activists uh, to debate abortion on high school and college campuses. And that was the the beginnings of Created Equal. That was the vision, still is today, now 10 years in. And the Justice Ride is really our premier training program. And that is where we 
load up buses of young people. We take them on the road. These are charter buses. We take them on the road. We take them to college and high school campuses and to abortion clinics, teaching them in the bus, outside the bus, on the street, in the classroom for a full week of intense activism and training. This is the premier project for us, a training program. I think there's nothing like it in the country because we combine the uh, seat work of classroom with the feet work of activism. And then we ask them to repeat it, or we call it repeat work, where they go home and they actually take what they've learned and some of the resources we've provided to their own communities. So the justice ride is central to the mission of Created Equal. And uh, you know, now after 10 years, we've been very successful in doing my original vision, which was at the end of my life, I want to look back and see that uh, I have dedicated myself to to uh, training the next generation, that there would be a line of young apologists behind me. And it looks like that might be the case. Might not be a long line, not but might not be hundreds or thousands of people, but it, it certainly will be dozens. And many of them are either working for us or doing the work somewhere else in the country. So, uh, you know, I feel like that mission has uh, that vision has come into full view here recently. Yeah, that's awesome. That is, it's it's you know, I've been working with you for about a year and a half now, I think. And it's just been absolutely mind blowing things you, I've learned just doing this show with you has been absolutely amazing. And I, I would like to get more involved with you personally and, and be able to visit the team there at Create Equal and get to know them more. But um, so 25 years came at, right at the right time for you. Right, because you know, twenty-five years and the overturn of Roe v. Wade, both at the same time. That's pretty, pretty amazing. I wanted to ask you, you know, was overturning Roe a big goal of yours in life, or was it just a milestone? You know, tell me about that. You know, yeah. Well, when I got involved in nineteen ninety-two, when Bill Clinton was uh, initially, when Bill Clinton was uh, elected president, he was trying to pass the Freedom of. Freedom of Choice Act, which would codify Roe v. Wade in federal law. That was my wake-up call. <clears throat> and at the time, I figured Roe v. Wade might be around five years, and then it became 10, then it was 15, then it was 20, uh, you know, and in, in now, what, 25 since I began. Of course, it's been 49 years since Roe was handed down by the U.S. Supreme Court. So I expected it to be overturned early because I, I really felt like most people are smart enough and care enough and compassionate enough that we're not going to kill our babies. I mean, this just can't happen. Little did I know that's not the case, right? People still do it today. And uh, But Roe being overturned was a milestone. Was it something we were working towards? In some ways, yes, because we do have a, a, a political goal and that is to end abortion, abolish it, make it illegal, criminalize it. But we're not a political group. We're, we're out to change hearts and minds. We believe politics is downstream from culture. But when necessary, we did lend our hand to some of the political efforts in educating voters. And we did that in 2016 and did as much as we were able to help with the heartbeat bill and other things, trying to get justices approved by the U.S. Uh, Senate, that kind of thing. So I guess it was a goal of ours. It, the fact that it happened this summer on my 25th year of ministry is just God's providence. I mean, I could just, you know, rack that up to God's providence, his timing being perfect. It's, he didn't do it for me, probably, but it certainly was a nice little 
gesture, if you will, to have that happen on my 25th year of ministry. And although it's just one step in the effort to end abortion altogether, it's a big one. And we're, we're still uh, thanking the Lord that uh, Roe v. Wade is on the ash heap of history. Amen. So what's next, Mark? Where What's the goal after Roe? You know, what's the next focus for, for the pro-life movement? Well, I mean, things are changing daily as you've been following things. Uh, states are coming online, banning abortion almost daily. We don't know where, how many will end up in that uh, category before it's all said and done in the next, say, six months or so. But it's likely we're going to see somewhere between 20 and 25 states banning abortion either altogether or significantly restricting it, say, with heartbeat laws. Uh, so you're going to have, uh, you know, abortion free zones. You're going to have abortion deserts. You're going to have abortion havens. And we already know how that's kind of shaking out right now. And so where it comes to created equal, we're positioned here in Ohio. We have a six week ban on abortion. You could call it that the heartbeat law, which is being enforced currently. And that means that women who are still getting pregnant, that's not changing for the most part. And seeking abortion, that's not changing either for the most part, although I think you're going to see less people seeking abortion because they might just figure that if, if, it's, if Roe's overturned, then maybe something's wrong about this. It might give them pause. And if laws are being passed to make it illegal, they might think, well, maybe it's not moral because the law is a teacher. I think you're going to see a reduction in abortion numbers uh, in the next months and years. But that said... Women in Ohio are going to Michigan and Pennsylvania. So that means we're going to be focusing our efforts in Michigan because there is a referendum, a ballot measure that's going to be likely on the ballot in November that uh, will expand abortion to the very moment of birth in that state. And so we want to make certain that that does not happen because we're not only concerned about our own state, Ohio, we got to be concerned about the other states around that border Ohio. And the same is true of other states in the nation. But for right now, Ohio is going to be our focus. We're going to be working in Michigan. We're going to be working in Pennsylvania to try to bring those laws into line with states like Ohio and others that are banning abortion. So the battle becomes state by state by state. So um, I know there's several different places that I follow to, you know, where I get information and up-to-date news. But what are some good sources for people that are trying to, you know, keep keep up with the changes in all the states and stuff like that. Did you have any recommended organizations? Yeah, the best the best site right now is lifesitenews.com. Okay. They have an interactive map that is updated every single day. And I went there yesterday and was looking. And there's every single day they're giving updates on what's happening in the state legislatures, what's happening with these trigger laws and other things. So you just hover your uh, your your mouse over the state, and it'll it'll have a little drop down menu there that'll tell you what's going on. So, I think lifesitenews.com is probably the best site to stay up on what's happening in the states regarding the banning of abortion and the expanding of abortion in states like New York and California and Illinois and like that. Awesome. And then next up, you know what what does what does someone do if they want to get involved? What's the first thing that someone should do when they want to get involved with the pro-life movement? If someone who wants to become an activist themselves. Well, they need to get on board with Created Equal. <laughs> that means either <laughs> right. come to a Justice Ride and you can go to justiceride.org 
That's a week-long training program normally in the state of Florida, and it happens typically in March. Uh, you can also join us for a road trip where we go on the road during the college semesters. That's coming up this fall. And we go from city to city to city. We go from college to college to college, visiting also the abortion centers and the high schools as well. So if you're interested in taking a short-term mission, this is like one week on the road or up to three or four weeks on the road, then the road trip for life will be happening this semester. Uh, so that, that's that's probably the two best ways to get involved with what we're doing. You go to createdequal.org. But if you just want to do the right thing in your own community, the simple thing to do is go to our store, which is on Created Equal's webpage, where you can order your own resources, which include abortion victim photography, the signs, the three by five, or I'm sorry, three by four sandwich board signs that you can take out to your city intersection. You can take it to your own local college or high school. You can take them to the, if there is an abortion center in your city, you can take them there. In fact, I might just add that we just add, we, we just uh, are debuting, currently debuting seven new signs on our store. And these signs are images, pictures that were taken of the DC Surgery Center uh, victims that were discovered or retrieved in March uh, from the sidewalk of uh, uh, the D.C. Surgery Center abortion mill in Washington, D.C. And so we're, we've taken those images of those children that were retrieved on the sidewalk and we've put them on signs so that they can speak for themselves, that their lives did not uh, were not or, or their deaths were not in vain, that they actually now can speak through the images. So we have a couple of new signs on our website at our store at createdequal.org. So that's another way people can get involved. Just start displaying abortion victims in your own community. Awesome. Now, would you would you recommend someone have a team of people with them in that instance? Because, you know, like you said, we've already said it can be dangerous, uh, you know, bringing out abortion victim photography or, or do you think someone should do it alone? What, what are your thoughts on that? No, they need to contact us and ask, you know, and try to get some, if they've never done this before, we'll give them some training, some, some, uh, you know, some points, some talking points, some things they can do to do it properly and mm -hmm. do it as safely as possible. I would not recommend you do it alone. You ought to have at least one person with you, a buddy system, but if you're interested, we can walk you through all that. If you go and pick up the signs, you can set them up and then we'll coach you through the process of using them effectively on the streets. Great, great. So friends, I want you to take action today. And the way you can do that is to get involved because we cannot be resting on our laurels in a post-Row America. Just the fact that Roe has been overturned is not enough, clearly. Abortions are still occurring in America at a very rapid rate, a very high rate in many of the states across the country, and we need you more than ever. In fact, the babies need you more than ever before because the battle has just gotten real. So, folks, if you want to be involved in the battle for the unborn, and if you feel the need is the call, and there is no greater need in America, in America right now to, than to defend the unborn, because if we don't defend the unborn, we will not have a nation for our children and our children's children. So the best way to do that is to go to createdequal.org and let us know that you're interested in getting involved.
You can also share the podcast. Uh, we uh, come to you every week on social media, as well as all the popular podcasting platforms. Uh, share the podcast, listen to the podcast, and if you think it uh, it has merit, then go ahead and uh, leave us a five-star review. So, uh, again, this is my 25th year of ministry. I wouldn't have done anything differently. I can say this. It's been a ride, that's for sure. Uh, there have been some ups and downs. There's been some times when I've been thinking about throwing in the towel just between you and I, but God just kept me on the right path and reminded me that there is no greater work than to represent him and to be seeking him every single day of your life and doing his will. So if you want to be on the front lines of what Jesus is doing in America, and that is fighting for the lives of unborn children and spreading the gospel on college and high school campuses, then friends, get a hold of Created Equal and your radio activist, Mark Harrington. We'll see you next time. God bless you. God bless America. And remember, America, to bless God. You've been listening to Mark Harrington, your radio activist. For more information on how to make a difference for the cause of life, liberty, and justice, go to createdequal.org. To follow Mark, go to markharringtonshow.com. Be sure to tune in next time for your marching orders in the culture war.